Are you ready for Chicago Bears football? You are listening to the Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. Stop it. Hosted by Bull Bearded Beauties, Gal and Danny Boy. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears, Bear Dog. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Chicago Bears Bonanza football podcast. Following this team is, wow, it's just ups and downs. Blood pressure is up. It's it's not easy to be a Bears fan, but the fact that they're 4-1, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like a 4-1 team, but it doesn't feel like a 2 and or a 1-4 team either. It's uh, a strange situation to be in for sure. There was years where we were in preface the John Fox era where they were on the cusp of becoming a better team. The defense was growing. And so they were losing a lot of these close games. And you were just thinking to yourself, you know what? With a few more pieces, these really close games, perhaps they'll pull them out. And I mean, we are here. We could be on the receiving end of this, you know, whooping. But in the end, we are walking away with victory. So I'm happy about that. Awesome to see Brady, Hall of Famer, perhaps the go to the game. You put on his ass a few times. Uh, this is something oh, yeah. that th- doesn't mean a lot for people who, you know, have supported Brady and New England Patriots fans and stuff. But for us, it means something to see him on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's take, you know, let's, let's take a page out of Lovey's book. You know, the first quarter of the season is, is done. We have a lot of stuff to, you know, I think it's, it's important to kind of look back to see and then kind of uh, evaluate where we are going forward. So we're going to do something a little different today, right? We're not going to go through the game and, and, and a hard preview of just the next week. But we want to kind of take a more of a holistic kind of step back and view. So I think the best way to do that is is by going through the position groups and giving some grades. Oh, baby. Great. So what do you want to start with? Let's start with D-line. I mean, that's yeah. the one who's close to the QB. Why don't you take it away, my friend? Yeah, so we're including here Mac and Quinn, just so that everybody knows. So, so Mac, Quinn, Hicks, and uh, whether that's Mario Edwards, Bilal Nichols, the, the Bartivius Mingo, whoever is the, the <laughs> other guy there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to give I'm gonna give them an A-. I don't know, what Danny, what do you think? I know this sounds crazy, but I will give them a slightly lower grade. I'll give them a B, not a B plus, not a B minus, just a B, only because we had injuries. Uh, Khalil Mack wasn't fully healthy. Either was Robert Quinn. And so, yeah, we didn't see all that we could have seen from them. And it showed. It showed in those early games. We weren't fully destroying the quarterback. We were applying pressure, but we weren't generating sacks. So I felt in those early games that it was still up and coming. And then we saw finally kind of come together a little bit against the uh, Bucks uh, this last week. So yeah, a B with a big arrow pointing up. So just, just some stats. We'll just go from the Bucks game. Um, so I was not a big Robert Quinn advocate of the signing because I thought it was just spending too much money but you got a glimpse of what could happen so in this in that game uh against a very good offensive line mind you the bucks have a great line um the bears were able to generate pressure on 47 percent of the dropbacks that's the most brady has seen in three years 
Woo. We were able to hit him. Um, I forgot the number, but it was the most that he's been hit in five years. How do you like that, was... goat? <laughs> <laughs> that picture of like Mac just like staring into Brady's eyes, and Brady's just like, "God, it's you again." It's, ah, yep, you know, beautiful. But here's the number that really sticks out to me: when Hicks, Quinn, and Mac are all on the field, their pressure rate is just an astonishing 67%. So just just so for people who under, like understand what that means is that two out of every three times the quarterback steps back to throw, one of those three guys is going to get to the quarterback and he has to change, he has to throw early, he has to move off his spot, you know, he has to do things that he doesn't want to do. Now 67% is like unreal. That's there's there's no way that we can keep that up. But if we can keep it in the 40s and we've been pretty close to that for most of the season, I think you know this this team is going to the, the that that aspect is going to be awesome, right? And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more WWE style Khalil Mack hip tosses when he just uh, <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah. Amazing, ridiculous. So the fact that they're getting this pressure rate, why are we not seeing more turnovers or sacks? I know, obviously, quarterbacks and offenses are game planning to get the ball out fast, but how come that isn't leading to, yeah, turnovers, interceptions, and how come they're getting that pressure, but they're just not sacking? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the thing with pressure is you can scheme away from it with the quick passes, as you said, and you can rotate away. Now, that was one of the big reasons why we got uh, Quinn uh, was that you couldn't rotate away from Mac because then Quinn is just on the other side and you're dead meat. But one of the things that changed, and this is something that we, you know, I was quite thrilled about in the Bucks game, and, and, and we'll talk about offense later, but one of the things that we complained about is like, why is Mac always lined up on the same side? Why is Hicks always lined up on the same side? There's no creativity. Well, what you saw there in that game, and this is something I hope we see going forward, is that they moved Mac around all over the place. He was on the left side, he was on the right side. Hicks was on the outside sometimes as well. And, you know, so you had all this kind of creativity and just guys just moving around and then people are panicked, right? Because you don't know if Khalil Mack is going to be standing over you and you don't want to get embarrassed in front of your family. Uh, and then like <laughs> Hicks is there as well. And I think this does another thing in terms of the run game where now you don't have that clear weakness where whoever's lining up next to... Hicks, whether that's Nickel, Edwards, you know, those guys are good pass rushers, but they're not good at stopping the run. But when you move everybody around, you move all these pieces around, it's difficult for teams to really isolate on where they should attack in terms of the run game as well. And, and I think you saw that happen in the Bucks game as well. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with um, with the offensive line, or sorry, the de- defensive line. You're right, the sacks per game have to go up. We're currently 16th. But we're we're second and I think fourth in terms of pressures and hits. But again, you know, we we played. Look at the guys we played: Stafford, um, Daniel Jones is a turnover machine, I guess, right now. But uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, these are savvy veterans. So I think these things are going to change as as we go forward. All right, so let's by move the way, on to the line. By the way, by the way, by the way, we're getting John Jenkins back, so I hope that really helps. Yeah plug up some of these holes we've seen and so it will allow what we're about to talk about now some of these linebackers not having to do everything okay so john jenkins back could perhaps help with what we're about to talk about now the linebackers by the way roquan smith this is something that's very confusing to me because we see these big tackles 
But then when yeah. you look at the tape, or when you looked at the tape, then you've seen perhaps these big misses, and it's very split. So you, in the middle of a game, you know, really was down on him. But then the grades are very good for Roquan, and a lot of people are saying his arrow is pointing really up. But then you've been kind of down on him for certain reasons. So, what are your thoughts on the linebacker situation? Not just Roquan, but then both of them, Danny, Danny T, Roquan, and then break it down individually. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a C, a solid C. What, what's your grade for the linebackers? I mean, really, we can't. We can't say. We can't say it's a B or A. We can't say the linebacker play has been good. <laughs> no, we, I mean, not. the thing is, while a C is competent, a C is average. So yeah, let's say C. I mean, they've given up big plays. They're exploitable. Um, yeah, let's give them a C. Let's give them a C. Yeah. So I think yeah. And now now, Danny T is just a sad story. I don't want to get too into Danny. I think he's not been playing well, and I think he is just in a different stage in his career now. Unfortunate. Roquan is. You know he's he's maddening in in some ways because he will make some A plus plus level plays and he'll give you like three or four of those every game. Like I mean seriously, like all pro Hall of Fame level plays. He's also going to give you three four just boneheaded plays as well, and it, he just seems to alternate one between one and the other. But some of the stuff is not his fault. Okay, like you know he's often asked, so he's basically on the strong hash you know if people don't know what the hash is it's those dotted lines that are going up horizontally so that's where he, he starts now pagano wants to have some deception in the offense so or in the defense so when he knows it, he's responsible for the the running back and the running back let's say gets into the flat he has a long distance to go to get to the running back in the passing game uh which is just hard you know he has to go through like the offensive line and and you know, all that trash because guys are running their routes and stuff like that. He has to kind of navigate through all these guys to get to the running back. And that's just hard. And sometimes he makes a tackle, sometimes he doesn't. But that's that, that's really more of a Pagano thing. And then in the run game, listen, he's just small. There's just there's nothing you can do with a small linebacker. He's just a small dude, right? Which and that's Brad, really where... Brad Coleman said coming him coming out of college, yeah. we all knew it, that if he doesn't have help with a run stuffer, with a run stuffing defensive lineman, then it will be a problem. He will get pushed back. He will get pushed around in that second level. Yeah, I mean, so for me, the only thing I really evaluate Roquan Smith on is his pass defense because it's unfair. Like, you know he's 235 pounds, okay? Nick Foles is bigger than, than Roquan Smith, all right? It's not gonna be. He's not gonna be this this, this guy who's gonna dominate at the point of the attack without help. Uh, so he has to be great in pass, and he's just he's above average. He's not bad. I uh, would, you know, he's bad in the run game, but that's just kind of what's gonna happen. Does he bring you enough plus plays on the pot on the pass game? And right now, I think it's a maybe ish. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's the guy now that that now that nobody talks about the quarterback. He's the guy on Twitter that everybody is getting polarized by. I mean, listen, we need we need big play from him, especially that Danny T has dropped off. And again, I still reserve hope that perhaps Danny Shrebathan just has an unspecified injury, kind of like what we saw with Khalil Mack last year where he was never showing up on yeah. the injury report. But there was something just not right about him. 
And so I just, it's hard to imagine such a drop off could occur. And I know people in their thirties and me as I'm slowly saying goodbye to my thirties, yes, all of a sudden it goes down quickly. But um, I still reserve hope that perhaps he'll get his legs under him and he'll be in better football shape and we might see more uh, from Dan Shabathan. Uh, let's get into the secondary. Let's get, let's go there. Yeah. That's been definitely a bright spot. It's so exciting to talk about what the corners have done. Eddie Jackson back there. Thoughts? I mean, to me, this is very simple. It's an A+. Plus. You A cannot plus. ask yeah, yeah. group. Yeah, you, you can't really ask this, that unit to do more. I think all four of them are going to go to the Pro Bowl. Even Gibson, who don't we never talk about, he's been a stud in the in run support, and he's been a stud in, in covering those short flats. And he has the ability to get back up high for if there's a, uh, you know, like a 3-4 wide receiver set. He, he has the ability and coverage. I think he has one pick, probably should have two picks. Um... But he's been great. I mean, he's been amazing. Eddie Jackson has taken his place again as the best safety in football. Kyle Fuller is a top five uh, cornerback. I mean, you can even make an argument that he's playing at a top three level right now. And and what really impresses me about Fuller is he understands where he is in his career. So he has a really kind of quickness-based game. But he understands, like, you know, he's not 30 yet. Uh, but, you know, age is going to come for us all. But he's added wrinkles into his game. He's so much more physical than he was in years past. I mean, the the play that he had where he just popped the crap out of the, I mean, the, that's, the receiver. That's going to be the, one of the defensive plays of the year. Okay. Yeah. That's just, he just popped him, right? And he does this, by the way, he does this more than you think. And he's so physical. He looks, to my eyes, a little bit wider, a little bit stronger. Um, so really impressed with him. Um you can make the argument that Kyle Fuller is the best player, defensive player on the Bears so far this year. That's how good he's been playing. And then what can we say about Jalen Johnson? Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow, right? It's just incredible. I knew, I, I felt really good about him coming in. You know, his draft capital was put down because of an injury. But I was hoping that this could be like the Eddie Jackson scenario where we got him at a good value later because of an injury. And wow. He's continued to be amazing. Does this secondary get any sort of asterisk because some of the number one wide receivers weren't playing in the weeks? Uh, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, uh, Julio Jones. Uh, is there any sort of asterisk yeah. there? Yeah, I mean, I think so, for sure. Like, you know, you don't see the, like Jalen Johnson, you know, we, we thought he would have to kind of uh, take on Julio Jones or, or, or Calvin Ridley more, but you know, what, what's happened with Johnson is, and I find this amazing, he's been targeted fifth most in the league, but in terms of like the quarterback percentages that he's giving up, he's like third or fourth, right? Which is outstanding, which basically means quarterbacks are targeting him because they want to take advantage of him because he's a rookie, but he's he's not giving up any ground. He's, he's giving up almost nothing. Um, and what they do, the Bears, in terms of defense, Kyle Fuller is always on the strong side and Jalen Johnson's always on the on the weak side. So you can line up, you know, so like Atlanta was lining up Calvin Ridley against Johnson and he held his ground. I'm sure he gave up some plays here and there, but, you know, that's going to happen because Calvin Ridley's a great player. But I've been, I mean, he succeeded every expectation I think you could have reasonably had for him, right? By far. By far, right? It's exactly what we would want. Yeah, I mean, he, and you, compared to all the other wide receivers who went before him, definitely there's no question of who we would want on our team. Jalen Johnson. He's amazing. Yeah, I'm super. I mean, if it wasn't for Chase Young, he would be the defensive player, offensive, or sorry, defensive 
rookie of the year, I think. I yeah. mean, Chase Young right now is just like Khalil Mack level monster, right? But yeah, so he's he's just amazing. There's not a weak link there. Again, I think all four guys are going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's A+. plus. Very, yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Let's move to the offense, uh, the inevitable. Uh, okay, so now that we've talked about all this amazing stuff, we're going to be slightly less energetic or optimistic. Indeed. Indeed. By the way, you know, when the Bears score 20 points, they win. If they get stuck at that 17-point margin, they lose. So, you know, we've talked about this every week as probably the whole Chicago or every Bears fan worldwide has. Um, let's start with the offensive line. Very, very bad news in losing James Daniel this uh, last week. Brutal. Bars is going to have to step in in this place. That's a very big question mark moving forward. And by the way, this defense against Carolina, which we'll get into a bit, are exploitable. So I, I feel really, even with Alex Bars, if we get pushed around, if we don't do some pushing around, I feel it's going to be a very ominous sign. What are your thoughts? I mean, Alex, so my grade is C minus and trending down. Um, yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. What's your grade, Danny? Before no, I, I mean, get into my yeah, ramble. I mean, yeah, D. There, there's a lot Ooh. of D linemen. Out. No, Ooh. I'm not saying no. No, 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 no. I'm saying D is not what I would give. D is reserved for people who are really bad, and they're getting a, b- a bunch of penalties. Last year, we were definitely a D, getting penalized and not generating any sort of push with the run. We have generated some run offense in the early games. We've since dropped off. So, yeah, I will give it a C, C minus, but that's the thing. It is definitely trending down with this major yes. injury. Yeah, I mean, I think James Daniels has been our best lineman this year. He's he was he was great. I mean, I think he was playing at a close to Pro Bowl level. I wouldn't go as far as to say Pro Bowl, but Pro Bowl alternate level, we'll say. Um, Alex Bars is not a question mark. Alex Bars stinks. Uh, so that's him or Rashad Coward, buddy. Him or yeah, Rashad Coward really stinks. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, he really stinks, right? So Ouch. that's I'm not. Sure. Yeah, to me, it's not a question. It's like that. There's you're gonna have a decline there. Um, and it's just unfortunate. I think the problem with this offensive line, again, I, I put it more on pace because what are they designed to do? Because if I look at a bad offensive line, let's say like the, the the Rams offensive line, which is also really bad, I can at least see what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to get some kind of uh, uh, speed outside zone, uh, West Coast type linemen. They just pick the wrong guys. Our team, you know, you have Afedi and Massey who are straight ahead power bull rushers. Uh, uh, and, and then you have like Whitehair and Leno who are like super finesse guys. So what, what is the what is the plan here? Like what, what, what were you trying to do with this group yeah. of players? That's not even yeah. clear to me. You know, this and that's been, where the this problem has been is. Whole, this has been Pace's biggest failure. I mean, really not taking more swings on offensive line. And now it's showing. And... I mean, it's scary. I don't think we're going to see much from David Montgomery. Uh, No, David Montgomery makes things happen. But in the end, I don't think there's going to be too many 100-yard games this season. They just, they don't have enough push. They don't have enough identity. And so we're going to see it suffer in the running game. I at least hope that uh, there's not just direct pressure on Foles. You know, because Foles could do well with pressure. But if somebody just one step and just beats uh, Alex Barr or Rashad Coward, and there's just kind of like unabated pressure to Nick Foles. That's not yeah, good. Exactly. Nick Foles. I mean, and you saw that take place, you know, there was that Cordero Patterson 
almost throw. Like he didn't actually get a chance to throw because he got sacked. So Foles basically does all this work as he does, and we'll talk about this more in a second, where he does all these checks at the line of scrimmage because he and he's able to get Patterson completely wide open, but Bars doesn't hear or he doesn't understand what Foles wants him to do. And Vita Vey just comes in and just absolutely smashes uh, Foles yeah. into the ground, right? And yeah, but it's a shame because like that would have been a touchdown because like Patterson was open by like twenty yards. Um, so you're gonna see. I, I, I think you're gonna see stuff like this. Here's a you know here's a funny yeah. stat for you, Danny. You know I love my stats. Okay, Charles <laughs> Leno is one of the smallest left tackles in football. Yet Bobby Massey is like one of the largest. Uh, sorry, Charles Leno is the second smallest left tackle in football, and Bobby Massey is the second largest right tackle in football. To me, this is like that just signifies like what are you trying to do with this line? What are the type of players you're trying to get here? You have one absolute massive human on on one side, and a teeny tiny guy in Leno on the other, and it's like they they don't make any sense together. And I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't like what we're doing strategically here. I don't think it's going to really get fixed until the offseason. Okay, so let's move on and to the, the way, next And by the way, by the way, Juan Castillo will be quarantining himself this week. Oh, so yeah. That, Bummer, that is very scary. All the more, I'm just like, oh, God, I it's do, trending very down. Yeah, I do like what I've seen from Juan Castillo, though. And I, and I was a little no, down, too, and I was kind of joking Same. about it. But I like what I've seen. Because they, they play with more discipline, for sure. They have less Agreed. penalties. Agreed. And they play with a little bit more nastiness as well. Definitely. But again, based on what we said, it is still trending down based on these different yeah. pieces. They're not talented. They're not skilled. They're not talented guys, right? So that's that's just kind of the thing. Okay, so should we move on to running backs? Uh, let's do running back. Let's let let's make sure for the sake of time. Let's running backs, and then we're going to put kind of wide receiver tight ends together, and then we'll end up on the most okay. important position, quarterback. Yep. All right. So running backs to me, fairly straightforward. I'm going to go B plus. I think Montgomery's done a good job. I don't like the way he's being used sometimes in terms of he comes off the field too much for me, but that's really more more of a naggy thing, and that's because he's not a good pass blocker. And Patterson, listen, let's get Lamar Miller on the field. Uh, I, I like Patterson. I think he's good, but he's like a 2-3, you know, play guy. Like I, he shouldn't be featured, you know. Like, so I'm going to be minus. I'm going to switch. I'm going to go B minus here. Yeah, you know, it's tough because I do put a lot of it on the line. David Montgomery makes something out of nothing many times. So the kid has a lot of heart. But yeah, we can't say that it's actually been good. Even with those first two games, those first two games were encouraging. But yeah, B minus. B minus is probably the best I would give it because it's still... And it's not because of David Montgomery necessarily. It's because of that situation, the running back position just has not been able to thrive so i love david montgomery i like his heart but yeah i mean can't be so excited about it yet and moving forward definitely not going to be excited if the line is question marks so yeah but he he doesn't seem like a special like i think he's a really good player and i really like him but i don't watch him and go okay that that's a special yeah yeah he's already making too many juke moves and i know like it's a he, he generates some yards after hit which is great, but there are times where I'm just like, listen, just plant and run, <laughs> plant and exactly. take that hole, and you definitely see too much juking around, and so that's good for certain situations, but not on an every down basis. So yeah, because yeah. you see this kid like Kansas City, like that's a special guy, the the Clyde uh, Edwards. I can never pronounce Clyde Drexler. I know, I know. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. But that guy to me, it's like you see one run, you're like, okay, that guy's special. 
right? Uh, like, I don't get that feeling from McCormick. I think he's elite contact balance, great, but yeah, B minus. All right, wide receiver, tight ends. So A Rob, A Rob, obviously playing out of his mind, playing out of his mind. Yeah. Awesome, incredible. But this rest of this position group, Mooney is flashing. But still, I mean, I think Hogan John was saying this, like, still flashing great. But I mean, from our number two wide receiver. Should we really be so excited about like, oh yeah, four catches, you know, 25 yards. Woo! It's still, <laughs> as a position group, has a lot to be expected from still. I mean, Anthony Miller not doing so well yet. So really, I can't. A-Rob brings it way up. But right now, I mean, yeah, B minus C. No, I'm afraid yeah, so gonna... A-Rob being, being A-Rob, I'll say B minus. Yeah, so I'm going to go... I'm in the same range. It's a C plus B minus part here. Um, now, I, I do want to talk about Mooney here, though. Like, he is, you know, over on Sunday, you know, I there's no Bears football. So I watched two players. I watched Komet and, and, and Mooney. Mooney is fabulous. I mean, this guy, I think the Bears, he's so good that the Bears don't know actually how to use him because they had no plans on him being as good as he was. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, it's difficult to tell in practice. Like, how is that going to translate into games? He has a play in that Bucks game where it looks like Foles has just, like, completely missed the target. But what Foles is doing, if you watch the replay, Foles throws at the point of, you know, when, when Mooney actually makes his break. But he makes his break so technically perfect that he just pops the dude and he's, like, free by, like, 15 yards immediately. And Foles is expecting him to be like get into the get a little bit more flat on his rocks, yeah. Space. That's what I think happened. But and that's where he threw it, and that's where yeah, and that's where he threw it. Uh, so the depth was right; it was just it was like seven or eight yards to the left of where it should have been. But that stuff is going to get taken care of because he was like, and he, you see like three, four times a game where Mooney just pops a guy and he's just open, totally open. Arrows. I think by the end of the year. Yeah, Absolutely. I think by the end of the year, he's he's definitely wide receiver two now. But listen, he's going to get eight, nine targets a game. I mean, he's already getting seven targets a yeah. game. Why wouldn't so, you? Why, exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. He's, he's always yeah. just like yards ahead of uh, his uh, defender. And it's funny, Miller's offensive snaps have actually gone down. Mm. He was, he was due, I think, around 50%, a little bit above in the first four games. And in these last few games, or this last game was 41% of the offensive plays. So yeah. whatever it is with this guy, we will never know until he's prep not a bear. Whether it's attitude, discipline, we don't know, but definitely him is still C minus. No, he's actually even worse, probably a D plus. When he's in, he's in. Oh, yeah. But just you cannot count on him for not only games at a time, but yet quarters at a time, he completely disappears. So uh, tight ends, uh, Jimmy Graham has exceeded expectations, looking like Jimmy Graham of old in the end zone, which is great. Cole Komet, incomplete for me because we just haven't seen him on the field enough. And, um, more needs to be seen from him. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Anthony. Just your point on Anthony Miller. He's the most disappointing bear to me. I thought, and I think everybody thought like he would be the most benefited by Foles, and he's just not going to play that much anymore. I think uh, you just can't rely on him. Komet is an interesting one. Okay, so he only has twenty-four snaps so far this season. He only has four targets, and he has one catch and one offensive penalty uh, against him. So I think, that, and, and I just want to talk about Komet here for a second. I think there's been a little bit of a false narrative where people say, oh yeah, it's been like a year, it takes a year for or two for these guys to be good. 
But when you look at a guy, guys like Kittles, Kelsey, Ertz, and even you go back a generation to Gonzalez and Gates, well, their rookie seasons, this is their averages, okay? 44 catches, 550 yards, and seven touchdowns. So, like, if you want to be an elite tight end, like, that's kind of what we should expect for from Komet if we think he's going to be an elite tight end. Now, I think it should be pretty clear that he's not that kind of player. Now, it's, it's so it's, maybe that's a little early, but he's, I don't think he projects to be an elite player. We hope he can be something like Kyle Rudolph, but there's some troubling signs here. A, he looks way too big. They say he's 265 pounds. No chance in hell he's 265 pounds. He's much closer to 280, 290. He's huge, way too big. The second part is, even with a guy like Shaheen, in the early parts, you can see the kind of athleticism. With with Komet, I don't know, he looks slow. He looks clunky. He looks stiff. I, I don't really like what I'm seeing, and I'm starting to get nervous about maybe, okay, we just missed on this guy. Okay, well, there you go, folks. There you go. Quarterback, yellow. Quarterback oh. to me is incomplete. Just incomplete. Ah, uh, but I have to say, pointing up. Uh, pointing up, pointing up. What do you think, Danny? That throw to Dave Montgomery to get us in field goal position or is just legendary. Uh, Foles is just so smart. Again, I'm very worried about the offensive line there uh, because I feel he's going to need time. We've seen him when, and you know, there's a lot of tape of Foles when he has pressure handling it. But when somebody gets to him just untouched, uh, it can be really ugly. It can get ugly quickly. So I, while the arrow is definitely pointing up because he is so smart and he is only going to continue to gel with his players and to get everybody involved, which he has. Um, I'm very worried about him going forward with that offensive line. So Alex Bars really has to really man up and play out of his mind more than he ever thought he would play in this NFL career of his. Because every time I yeah, 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 every time I see Foles get hit, I just pray that it's not an injury. Same. Because he same. gets popped, yeah, man. He, yeah. he takes some big hits. Monster hits. Uh, and in the end, he, that, that buys him extra time to be able to complete those passes because he just needs that extra time. But it's just a matter of time uh, if he's going to yeah. continue to get popped, which is what yeah. has been playing out for the entirety of his career. So, again, feeling very optimistic about his intelligence and what he can do. But, again, that offensive line – they will need to really shine. I mean, we're going to have to see miraculous play from them. Uh, for but them I think to that, that, Mon- yeah, that Monty play, though, that's the play that I think is the best indicator of what we should expect going forward. And I think this leads into the Nagy thing where, you know, they get to the line of scrimmage with like 18 seconds and Foles just creates that play right then and there, right? He, he basically checks the line of scrimmage. He checks at the line of scrimmage. He changes the protection. He changes A-Rob's route to a rub route. You know, he and then he has uh, uh, Montgomery, who was originally designated as, as getting into the flat, as now going having a kind of a go route. That's Foles basically just commanded all those things at the line of scrimmage. And I think that to me is, is the difference between a guy like Foles and Trubisky, where you have this guy who is able to see the formation and then be able to make the play. And that to me, that's the play of the game for sure, right? Um, no doubt. Okay, Maggie. Nagy, Nagy, and then we're going to really quickly pick the score. Yeah. And we're going to get out of here with about five minutes left. Nagy, 
we could say this is also a you know jury is out i mean there are times where it's like what are you doing why are you calling that play at this time but at the same time he's getting guys open and getting four wins somehow out of this season so what do you think man so the naggy thing i i just want to focus on that that let's call it a heated exchange that had between Foles and and Nagy on the sideline there right where you know uh, we don't know what Nagy is saying we know what Foles is saying right where Foles is saying I want tempo I want tempo I want tempo Nagy says something we don't know and then Foles just basically tells Nagy he doesn't say basically say he actually says I don't care and then Nagy says something else and then Foles says even louder I don't care I need 15 I need I need 15, I need, and then I can't remember the other numbers. Now, the play that he's talking about here, and I think what set this whole thing off, and I think this is important for Nagy to understand, it's not Mitch anymore. That whole kind of thing that he had, whatever you want to call it, that paralyzing thing that he had in his head, he needs to let that go and he needs to start trusting Foles. Well, that was always, what that was always, was, that was always uh, you know, Nagy's thing. It's just like, Nagy, you have to do what actually works with what you have, not this dream that you have in your head and that you want to play out, that you want to be in the new Sean McVay. Yeah, but it's not even that that so much. I mean, it's like the, the what happened was I think Nagy because Mitch was not making the plays at the line of scrimmage. He would Nagy went over engineered all this stuff with all these substitution packages and all this other kind of stuff, so that when you know Mitch would get to the line of scrimmage late, and they would just run the play that Nagy called with no kind of modifications. But that's not going to work for Nick Foles. A, we don't have a good enough line to just say you know, hey, these are our best 11, let's go, right? Uh, and what happened was there was a play and this, and, and and we were driving, we had rhythm, but there was a moment where A-Rob, Montgomery, Mooney, and uh, Jimmy Graham all left the field. Um, and then Nick Foles gets up to, to the line of scrimmage with only like, I think 10 seconds. And he sees that they, the, the Bucks have three, uh, they have a big formation out there. But the Bears could not take advantage of that. Um, and that's what really pissed them off. Um, and you saw that go away less and less. And I think this is what Nagy's going to have to really get better at is getting Nick Foles to the line of scrimmage with like 18 seconds and 15 seconds so that Foles can make checks and change the play at the line of scrimmage to take advantage of the different opportunities. That's not something he really did with Mitch. I mean, he tried to. It didn't work. Uh, I don't want to make... I don't want to dismitch too much, but but he needs to let that go now. He needs to trust Foles and let Foles run the offense uh, because that's the only way of creating those little advantages like we did in that Montgomery play or in that Cordero Patterson play. That's Those are the things that are really going to push us over the top, and that's what I'm excited about. I think this game ahead is a really good test because um, Carolina's run D is not that good, um, but overall their defense is not so bad. So they are competent. They're kind of middle of the pack, really good against the pass, but that only might be because teams aren't running the hell on them. So this, I feel, can be a pretty good test. Uh, Carolina's good at getting takeaways. Uh, but again, middle of the pack, I want to see what we can do. I think that now Foles has a few games under his belt. Uh, this game is perhaps going to be not as tough uh, to score on a, like uh, the Bucks and the Colts. So I think... In the end, the Bears can and should win this game. I know I was pretty down the last two weeks, but I think, again, the Bears can get over that 20-point hump. I think we could put up 24 points, walk away with a 24-20 victory. Yeah, I think it's actually going to be even more than that. I, it, I think 
what I wanted to see last week was doing things off tendency, you know, so, you know, running from shotgun and passing from single back, you know, because we had become too predictable, um, you know, with Mitch and we were also pretty predictable with Foles there. Now I want to see more unpredictability. We saw that a little bit in flashes in the Bucks game, but now we've had 10 days and that's really what I'm looking for. That's what I want to see from the offense to be able to do things that are off tendency. I think if we can do that, listen, this offense is not going to be a top 15 offense. That's that's asking for the moon. Uh, we have two backup quarterbacks. One is a smarter version of the other. But um, but yeah, I, I feel good about this game. I don't, I think this is, I think we're a better team. Uh, I think even though I really like what I'm seeing from Bridgewater, I think we're just straight out better. I think we should win this game. I'm going to actually say, Danny, the Bears score 30 points here. Whoa. And we hold and we hold the the uh, Panthers to seventeen. I do think like if like I, when I watch this offense, yeah, you're right. The offensive line is is a bit of a disaster, but in the passing game, they're so close on so many things. You know, with Mooney and with Miller. I mean, Miller that that interception. What are the odds of that happening again? Yeah. You know where. It, bounces off his shin you know um it's just there's so many like weird breaks that that have gone against us i I think those are going to go away and i think those these moments where nick is going to get the offense a little tighter that just opens up everything and so i think we are going to score 30. now i think going forward we have 11 games here we have to go six and five roughly to make the to be guaranteed in the playoffs i think it's definitely doable I think five of these games we have to score thirty. I don't know where it's going to be, but I think five of these games we should expect to score thirty. And if that if we're doing that, then I think this is a team. I think the NFC is wide open. I don't think Seattle is very good. They have a crap defense. Um, okay, who's good now, in the NFC? Now you exactly who's good in the NFC, but definitely not necessarily us either. 30 points a game, Samir. I'm sorry. I think you're drinking the Kool-Aid. I would love to see it with this offensive line. Even when Nick Foles trending up with this offensive line trending down, I still need to see us consistently get 20 points before I can even think of 30. Okay? Well, I'm saying in, in those 11 games, five <laughs> of them, we should we get to 30, I, right? I think I, five of them, we should be able to get to 30. I will 30, cross right? my fingers. Score prediction? Yeah, I think we're going to score. Thir- I think it's going to be 30 17. Uh, nice. But really, the most important thing for me here is watching these guys do things off tendency and really watching Nagy let Nick cook, you know? Uh, get get to the line. If you're watching the game at home, I think the thing to watch is are the Bears getting to the, to the line with 15 seconds? You know, and if they're not, then you have a problem. Then that's going to piss me off, right? Because we don't have the talent to run the things, uh, you know. You know, we need we need tempo to be able to get to what we're, where we're going to go. But overall, how are you feeling about the season? Good? Bad? Uh, it's it's emotional, man. It's emotional. I got to see a few more. I got to see a few more games. This we got. We were devastated after the Colts. We were upbeat after the Bucks because the defense finally showed up. Listen, I want to see us stop the run. I don't want Mike Davis to get some revenge game against the Bears. I want us to be able to hold him and not run away with this. I'll feel good if I see that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has been outstanding, but you know what? You know, I don't want to see him have this 101 passer rating that he's had throughout the season. I want us to make him look a little bit bad. 
Um, so I want to see that. And again, we got to see what this offense can do. There's still a lot of question marks. I still don't feel great about that. Again, once I see the offense scoring 20 consistently and it's still continuing to trend up, I'll feel a lot better about things. But we are both calling for a victory here. So hopefully by the time we meet next week, we'll have smiles on our face and things will be even pointing more up, my friend. Feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. This is another edition of the Chicago Bears Bonanza Football Podcast, folks. Have a good time. Enjoy that game. And hopefully your blood pressure will stay low like mine. Okay. We'll never forget the way you thrill the nation with your teeth formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois. Chicago Bears. Bear down. Stop, Bears. This is my Bears, people.